open with a testimony about my son and my daughter. Um, you guys may remember if you were here during Freedom Weekend that on Saturday night I got up here and I shared a story about my son Wyatt, Wyatt James, my eight-year-old, and how he had a temper tantrum earlier that week where we had to remove Legos from him, and he lost his mind and just freaked out. And that's kind of cute and funny, but even as I tell this story, I want you to think, like, have you ever lost a thing or a possession or even a friendship, and it just destroyed you, devastated you to where you couldn't even control your emotions? That's what was going on with my son. And so we removed something from my son, and he lost his mind, and he had a temper tantrum, and he was screaming at the top of his lungs, and he was pounding his feet and his fists on the stairs, and I had to go and have a, a tough talk with him. And we discerned in our conversation that the reason that he lost it was that he had given this thing, I mean a toy, a, a place in his heart that was higher than, than his love for himself, his love for his parents, his love for the Lord. He had, he had taken a thing and given it at a, a very lofty place in his heart so that when he lost it, it was devastating. And it caused him to say some things and do some things that, that he knew weren't right. So the Monday morning after freedom, Martin Luther King's uh, Monday, uh, I sat down and I said, hey, buddy, why don't you come outside with me and, and pray with me? Let's go have quiet time together and let's talk about that. Let's take what happened the other day and sit with the Lord. And my daughter, Charlotte, came with us. Um, I'm going to share this testimony, but I don't know how God's going to use it to minister to you to encourage you, to correct you. Um, and I have other testimonies we're going to talk about today. And, and likewise, I don't know how God wants to use them for you, but you will know as you hear them. And so even now, would you go ahead and, and grab your pen and grab your paper? And whether it's your note card for notes that you're like, oh, I need to remember that, or it's your prayer tag and you just want to start writing a personal prayer to the Lord throughout the sermon, go ahead and be encouraged to take some notes. Or if you process sermons or the word by doodling, do it, but take advantage of what you're about to hear, because God doesn't want to just share a story with you this morning about this student, that student, or my son. He's talking to you. I'm going to read you guys my quiet time from January 20th when I sat down with my son and my daughter, and here's a picture of us doing so. Um, and I'm just going to read you my quiet time, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. But this is our back porch and there's my daughter, and there's my son, and there's my spot, and there's our fire. And I'll sit there most weekends and, and do what we're doing here. Good morning, Father. Thank you for today. Thank you for the warmth of this fire, the singing of the birds, and my children by my side. Thank you for a fantastic Freedom Weekend, for Friday night's confessions, for Saturday's serving opportunities, for our ground-shaking worship, for the Johnny Boy sermon, and for all those baptisms. And thank you for just now. Charlotte, beginning her quiet time by asking you about whether or not she should be baptized. You know that she's scared to do it in front of others. And thank you for Wyatt asking you to help him recognize how you speak. As they wrote these prayers to you, I mentioned to them that I would not be surprised if Wyatt opened his Bible to a story that answered both questions for each of them. And he opened his Lego brick Bible 
right to the story of John the Baptist standing before Herod. Charlotte asked you a question about baptism, about standing up for her faith amidst peer pressure, and you led them straight to a story of the ultimate baptizer doing just that. Wyatt asked you that you would show him how you speak, and you led him to a story that clearly answered a specific question for him and his sister in the Bible. Jesus, keep speaking to Charlotte. She believes in you. She just acknowledged that she knows that you spoke to her through your word, but she's still on the fence. So love her in the right direction. I don't want her to get baptized for anyone but you. Speak to her heart. Take away her fear. My quiet time would go on from there, and I would press into some personal stuff. All this happened before I started writing these things, obviously. But even though God had already spoken to my kids in that moment in their own personal quiet times, we weren't done yet. Um, Wyatt still needed to talk about that idolatry of his toy that he had wrestled with earlier in the week. And so he wrote another question to the Lord. Jesus, how do I keep you first in my heart? And he closed his brick Bible and by faith opened it back up, having asked that question, and he opens his Bible that second time to another story in the New Testament about Ananias and Sapphira, which if you don't know is a fascinating story in the New Testament in the book of Acts. Um, And instead of read it in our Bible, I want to read it in the way that Wyatt saw it. So here's the first slide of the page that Wyatt opened to in his brick Bible. The entire group of believers held everything in common, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions. Any who owned houses or land sold them, and the money they laid out at the feet of the apostles. So all these people gathered together in the New Testament, the book of Acts, right after Jesus had left and said, go and make disciples. And they said, let's sell everything we have and give the money to the apostles and the disciples so that we can all have our needs taken care of. The money was then distributed to each according to his need. Joseph of Cyprus, who the apostles called Barnabas, he sold some land that belonged to him. Next. And he brought the money and he placed it at the feet of the apostles. That's a lot of money. And a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira also sold a piece of land. Next. But with his wife's full knowledge... Ananias held back part of the money, and then he brought the rest, and he placed it at the feet of the apostles. But Peter said, Ananias, how could Satan so fill your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept some of the money? You've not lied to men, but to God. And when he heard this, Ananias fell down dead. Dead Lego. Let's leave that up for a second. So that's what my son opened to when he asked God, how do I keep you first in my heart? And he opened to a scripture in his little brick Bible that said, my son, how could you let Satan so fill your heart that you let money, stuff, Legos, devices, idols become more important to you than me? How could you let a thing become more important to you 
than me. That was God answering my son. Jesus, how do I keep you first in my heart? Keep me first in your heart. Don't let Legos or phones or money or reputation become more important to you because it will hurt you. And a question for us this morning is, what's in your heart? What holds the the preeminent spot in your heart? What drives you? What motivates you? What are you afraid of? Man, if it's anything but Jesus, be careful. Watch out. Um, Because it could kill you. It's a death sentence when we lie to God. And it opens a door to the enemy to come in and wreak havoc so that he can lie and steal and kill and destroy But thank God that any time, every time we get off track, God has given us a way to go right. This isn't what happens every time we lie to God, that we hold back from God. This is a story in Scripture of a true experience that God has laid out so that we can learn from it. Thank God that doesn't happen every time we lie to the Holy Spirit, because I'd be dead a long time ago, probably already by today, this morning. But God tells us that when we get off track, here's how you get right. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all wickedness. You guys might remember, but we mentioned Friday's confessions. I, I talked about it in what I read a moment ago from my quiet time. It was powerful, Friday night's confession of sin when we lit them on fire as a demonstration of what God does, how he destroys and just wipes off the face of the planet, the face of our soul, our sins, when we are faithful to confess and he is faithful to forgive. Well, I put a picture up of of that moment online, and and here it is, um, when our sins were just flash fired away. And I mean, that's how fast God does it. You confess your sin, it's gone. There's nothing left, but And a friend of mine texted me a day or two after I had put this picture on Instagram. He's like, that was crazy. Um, I, I know that you had the students confess their sins and write them on that paper and you burned it up, but that must have been so powerful. And I'm like, yeah, it totally was. And he's like, did you see the image inside of the fire? And I was like, no, what are you talking about? And he sends me a second image where he had traced the top of the flame. This little demonic figure that he just felt confident like, I think when you guys confess sin, that that was the enemy just leaving the hearts, leaving the power to influence the, the students. Like, I think there was something spiritual going on in the room, and I'm like, man, your art skills are not very good. <laughs> but I'll, I'll be honest, I, I think you're right. I think that when we confess that something else has taken the preeminent spot in our heart, that, that God removes our sin and he closes the door on the enemy, and he's gone. He's out of our lives. I don't know how that speaks to you today. It speaks to me. But if it's speaking to you, man, respond to the Lord as we continue. This is our 19th week in the Tattoo My Soul sermon series. And this idea of tattooing our soul comes from Deuteronomy chapter 11, which says, write my words on your heart and in your soul. Do whatever it takes to remember what I'm telling you. And then it gives us some examples. You need to read my words, write my words, discuss my words, wear my words, live my words. If you do, I'm going to bless you. God has promised to bless us, friends. He has promised 
to bless us if we just do what the Bible says, if we will just read it, write it, wear it if need be, talk about it, like whatever it looks like to write it on your soul, do that, and God says, I am going to bless you. And I feel like God is wanting us to ask a question of ourselves this morning, maybe right now in your chair, maybe right now in your prayer tag, just ask Jesus, do I believe that you will bless me for reading the Bible? Do I believe in my heart and soul that you will bless me if I read Scripture and write it out and, and put it on shirts or turn it into, like, will you actually bless me? Like, student, do you believe that? If you do, amen, and believe it some more. But if you don't, talk to Jesus about that before you leave this room. And if you don't have the faith to believe it, ask for it. Just ask for it. I had an entirely different sermon written for this morning, which is really good news for next weekend because I don't have to work very hard. But as I was writing this testimony from my son and my daughter, um, as I worked on it, God made it clear that he wanted me to talk to us today about some other things. I think he wants me to help us see that the blessings that God has promised, they're already happening. They're happening all around us, and we need to take note. We need to acknowledge them, and we need to celebrate them. Um, I challenged us all, and the challenge is still out there if you haven't started or you're just hearing about it today, that for the month of February, whatever idol you have, lay it down for the month. Lay down your social media use. Lay down your device if, it's, um, you know, if you're abusing it. Lay down that porn habit or whatever it is that's hurting you. Just lay it down for a month and see if God will bless you. See if you feel more free to do right. And in its place... Laying this down, pick this word up and read it every day. Pray it every day. Write it out every day. Whatever that looks like for you. Um, as many of you have already been doing that, it's been more and more clear to me that God has been showing up, just like he said. He's been blessing, just like he said. God's been keeping his word to us. His word that we saw in Zechariah chapter 3. After rescuing his child, the angel of the Lord spoke very solemnly to him and said, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. If you follow my ways, that means obeying this book. If you carefully serve me, that means reading and obeying this book, then I'll bless you. I'll give you authority over my temple and its courtyards, and I will let you walk among the heavenly beings standing here. When we read, write, obey, walk out the word of God, God says, I'm going to give you authority and I'm going to let you walk like amongst heaven on earth. That's profound. And if you have a hard time believing that, I shared a story last week that pretty clearly demonstrated it. A student that had to leave the room Freedom Sunday because they were so overpowered by the fact that they saw these three angels in this room singing with us and saw that giant angel as well that she said, I felt like it just wanted to be with us, worshiping with us. God just said, if you read my word, obey my word, do my word, I'm going to let you see heaven on earth, and she saw it. And she's not the first that's seen stuff like that go down in this room, and I know she won't be the last. God has been keeping his word that he's going to bless us, that we're going to see heaven on earth when we will just have enough faith to read this book and obey it and do what it says. His promise is clear. As we read and obey the Bible, God blesses us with glimpses of heaven on earth. Here's another testimony, this one just from last weekend after our sermon. 
Um, last Sunday, a student asked for a life verse, again, like every week. If you don't have one yet, ask. Ask today. God, give me a verse from the Bible to live by for the year. Well, this young lady did that, and she opened her Bible by faith, and she landed in the book of Job, chapter 39, and was like, oh, man, not Job. That's a tough book. That's a sad book. That's a hard book. So she just closed her Bible, like, no, thank you, God. I get it. I've done that before. And she said, give me something else. Give me something not Job, you know? Give me like a, a flowery little psalm. I've done that too. So she takes one of the white note cards, by faith, just sticks it in the Bible, opens it again. What page did she land on? Same one. Same page. What are the odds? Astronomical. Opened her Bible again to Job 39. You think God wants to teach her something in Job 39 this year? I do. There's a quote that I love that I just saw the other day from J.I. Packer, this wonderful prayer warrior and, and theologian. Psalms teach us how to worship. Did you get a psalm for your life verse? God wants to use it to teach you to worship, among other things. Proverbs teach us how to behave. Job teaches us how to suffer. Last year, 2019, I got a Job verse I wanted to close the Bible, but God wanted to teach me how to suffer. And you guys, life on planet Earth is hard. We all need to learn how to suffer. So what a gift that God has not just given all of us the book of Job, but this particular student, Job 39, I got some stuff to teach you. And even just me looking at Job 39, I was convicted. It closes with these two verses. Is it your wisdom that makes the hawk soar and spread its wings toward the south? Is it at your command, human, child, that the eagle rises to the heights to make its nest? As we read and obey this book, it's going to remind us of something we desperately need to know. He's God. He's in control. He's got this. We need to trust him. It's not our wisdom that makes things happen. In fact, my wisdom usually gets me in trouble and hurt. God's wisdom is reliable and faithful and true. And we all need to learn life is hard, but God loves us and is trustworthy. Every page of this book will remind you of that if you let it. Here's another testimony. Also from last Sunday, before opening their Bible to ask for a verse, a student coupled the prayer of give me a word to live by with this prayer. I don't know where to go to college. They're graduating senior and they said, God, Give me a life verse, but I also, I really need to know where to go to college. I got a lot of options. I have no idea which one. I love that they asked that. And so opening their Bible by faith in similar fashion, this student opens to Matthew chapter 28 to the Great Commission. And he reads, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, so go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. A student comes up to me after the fact and said, I got my life first, but I also asked, where am I supposed to go to college? And when I read these words, I don't know why, this is between that student and God. When I read those words, I just felt deep in my soul that God said, I want you to go to LSU, And not just because that's where I want you to get your education. I want you to go there as a student and a disciple maker. That student came up to me having no idea where to go to college one minute. And the next minute knowing God told me where to go to school and what to focus on while I'm there. 
You got a question about your future? Ask the Lord. Read this book. Do what it says. All those other students next year go into LSU. Hey, why'd you go here? Oh, it's got a nice campus. Why'd you go here? Well, they won like the football thing. You know, I don't know what it's called. I don't care. This student, why'd you go here? Yeah, yeah, God told me to. Told me to make disciples. And hopefully at that moment, you want to be in a Bible study with me? You want to learn scripture with me? Like what an opportunity that God has given the student to make disciples. He's got a perfect response of why did you go to LSU right in front of him. I love that. And God has similar stories, similar testimonies to give to every single one of you. As we read and obey this book, God blesses us, as he promised, with glimpses of our future, with guidance on where he wants us to go, what he wants us to do. I don't care if you're in seventh grade right now. God knows where he wants to go to college, so you could ask that question today. What a load off. I know I'm supposed to go to Lone Star. I know I'm supposed to go to Harvard. I know I'm supposed to take a year off and go serve in Africa. Like, it's not too early to ask questions like that. God is hungry to speak to you. Here's another testimony from last Sunday. What I, I love this one. Student comes up to me after church, talks about how they've got a, a very close family member that was in a horrible traffic accident just last week, and this family member is in the hospital struggling to survive. And the whole family is wrestling with those big questions that come in moments like that, with those big hurts, like, God, why'd you let this happen? Why'd this happen to her? Why do bad things happen to good people, God? Like, that's a real easy thing to get upset with God about. And what I love, too, is that the student confessed, like, I didn't even want to come to church today, but they came. They still came. And so when I issued the challenge to ask God for a life verse and just open the Bible by faith, this student was not only in a place of like whatever, but they were like, you know what, I I don't even want to be here, let alone by faith open the Bible and trust that you're going to speak to me. And so this student did something very interesting. They just felt this conviction and that in the moment, you know what, I think it's crazy that I'm going to open my Bible and just trust you to speak to me. And Even if I open to something great, I don't know if I'm going to believe it's from you. And so if you're going to use Scripture to convict me and live by for this year, I need to add something to that. So you know what? I'm just going to pick three numbers. And you need to have me open to a page that has something to do with those numbers. Four, five, seven. And they open their Bible randomly by faith, just stuck their finger in and open. What page did that student land on? 457. What are the odds? You you can't make that stuff up. But what I love is that that's not the most amazing part of that student's testimony from the morning. 457, open their Bible to 457. It's what they open to. The book of Ecclesiastes chapter 7. The two pages that this student opened to in the red Bible that's right back there on the shelves Here's what they talk about. Remember what that student walked in the room wrestling with. My family member could die. I don't like this. I'm not comfortable with this. Why do people die? Why do bad things happen to good people? And they opened to two pages in Scripture, and here's what one of them says. Ecclesiastes 7, it's better to spend your time at funerals than parties. After all, everyone dies. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. A wise person thinks a lot about death, 
while a fool thinks only about having a good time. I have been a fool very often when all I want to do is be comfortable and have a good time. And God says it's better to think about, it's going to consider, just to remember, you're only here for a minute. You guys might remember the quote that I shared with you last week from the theologian Karl Barth. It says, the great theologian Karl Barth was once asked to sum up the thousands of pages of his dense theology in one sentence. And he paused, and then he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Reading a scripture that talks about how sorrow is better than laughter and that we need to consider the reality that we're all going to die, where's Jesus loves me, this I know in that? I think it's in the fact that God is saying, hey, I'm God, you're not, I know life is hard, don't run from me, run to me. Another passage that that student opened to on those two pages on 456 and 457 Ecclesiastes chapter 7, 13 through 14, accept the way God does things, for who can straighten what he has made crooked? Enjoy prosperity while you can. But when hard times strike, when people go to the hospital, when that prognosis is really tough, realize that both come from God. And remember, nothing is certain in this life, you guys not certain we're all going to be here tomorrow, so get to know Jesus today. Read his book, write his book, obey his book today. Let him love you. Let him forgive you today because nothing is certain. Where's Jesus in that? Again, God is God. We are not. Life is hard, so don't run from God. Run to him. The last bit that I love that was on those two pages as this student was wrestling with questions of death and life and hardship Ecclesiastes 8, 7 through 8. Indeed, how can people avoid what they don't know is going to happen? None of us can hold back our spirit from departing. None of us has the power to prevent the day of our death. There is no escaping that obligation, that dark battle. And in the face of death, wickedness will surely not rescue the wicked. Where's Jesus in that? Again, I'm God. You're not. Life is hard, but I love you, and I've got you. Trust me. Don't run from me. Run to me, especially when things are tough. As we read and obey this book, God blesses us, as he says he will, by answering us when he calls, or answering us when we call, just like he did with that student, by saying the hard thing that maybe nobody else wants to say, but he says it in love, by telling us the truth even when it hurts. That's how much God loves us. He will always tell us the truth, even when it hurts. Here's another testimony. This one from Wednesday night, right here in this room, as we gathered for our new worship time from 5 to 6.30. Um, the format that we are using for this time of worship comes to us from 1 Corinthians 14.26. We see it right here from the prayer card. Brothers and sisters, when you come together, each person has a vital role because each has gifts. Now, one person might have a song, another a lesson to teach, still another revel a revelation from God. One person might speak in an unknown language, another will offer the interpretation. But all of this should be done to strengthen the life and the faith of the community. Everyone has a role in our new Wednesday night worship time. 
Everyone has gifts to bring to bear. One of you might be like, I totally believe that we're supposed to sing this song. One of you might show up and be like, we're supposed to pray for healing for her. And so everybody has something to contribute. Here's a picture of us gathering on Wednesday night. There are about 25 of us or so. There was no agenda. There was no plan. We just showed up trusting that all of us had something to contribute. There was no talking about it ahead of time. Let's just show up and have quiet time for 30 minutes and then see what God does. And we worshiped a little bit and we prayed a little bit and we testified a little bit. Students encouraged each other with the word of God a little bit. And what I found phenomenal, miraculous, something worth testifying about is that every single student that shared, every testimony that was given, every song we sang, they all had the exact same theme. And none of us had talked about it. It just evolved. It just unfolded. And the theme was victory. That the victory that we all long to see in our life or our situation or our struggle, the victory belongs to God. And a student, as she made that observation, do you guys realize it's all about victory tonight? Um, said it's, it's kind of clear that like there's this supernatural awareness that God is telling us all tonight to trust him and that he wants us to remember that the victory belongs to him and that if God holds the victory for my problem in his hand, then why do I need to fight so hard to make it happen? I'm going to say that again because I think some of us need to hear that. If God holds the victory for your struggle in his hand, why are you fighting so hard to do things your way, to make a miracle happen? Why not just trust him? Um, there's so much freedom in remembering that God holds the victory. There's freedom that we can just pray, we can just read this book, we can just obey it, we can just sing, and God will take care of the rest. That is liberating. I want that for every single one of you. You'll experience it if you come and worship with us this Wednesday. As we read and obey the Bible, God blesses us, as he says he will, with a supernatural unity, with supernatural community. We're not just going to get together and talk about the Oscars this Wednesday. We're going to talk about Jesus Christ, and he's going to show up, and he's going to do some stuff. Is that the last one? No, there's one more. No, that was the last one. Don't get excited. Dwight, company, take the stage. Um... I told you I had a different idea in mind for, tonight, for today's sermon. But I, I will confess to you, I, I wrote this, I was encouraged by this, but I got up this morning and I was just feeling a little beat up. I was just like not excited about tomorrow and going back to work. Like many of you might not be excited about tomorrow and going back to school. I just showed up this morning and I was feeling like, there's a lot of spit that just came out. That's why the chairs are back there. And I think God knew that I just needed to be reminded that he's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to bless us. He's going to show up, and he already has been. And I think maybe some of you guys needed to hear that today too. As we wrap up this sermon, this talk, this encouragement, this reminder that God's on the move, again, let's just look and consider what God said in Deuteronomy chapter 11 that we have spent 19 weeks in together. Write my words on your heart. Write my words in your soul. You and you and you and you do whatever it takes to remember what I'm telling you. 
You can read my words. You can write them. You can discuss them. You can wear them. You can live them. Whatever works for you, do that. And do you know what I'm going to do in return? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to show up for you. I'm going to let heaven come down onto earth for you. You're going to see it. You're going to testify about it. You're going to be transformed because of it. All of this that's happening in our midst right now, it's because God said so. I shared seven testimonies this morning that none of us can explain. Can't explain how that happened. Can't explain how many of those happened. And they're just seven. There's more. I made something for you guys this weekend. These are going to be new decals that are going to go on our banners out there to help us remember our life verses. These are just the students from Freedom. But here's 150 students from Freedom with their life verse on their hands. And every single one of these students that reads the words God gave us, every single one of you that remembers the word that God's given you, that writes it, that lives it, that talks about it, you have a testimony that's unfolding. You have a supernatural experience that's just waiting to happen, and not just one, but many. And so I want you to be encouraged this morning that God's going to do similar, if not better things for all of you as you lay down your idols this month and this year, as you pick up the Word of God, and you just do what it says. You just pay attention to it. You, too, will have a personal testimony uh, that nobody can explain. There's nothing more powerful than a personal testimony of how God moved. He wants to give you one. He wants to give you several. And so, as we respond today, you can bring the tithe. You can take communion. We can worship. You can take your prayer tag and, and drop it in this box knowing that you've already prayed it, and then we will pray it with you this week. But... Let's just take a moment before we respond in worship, and, and let's finish that prayer tag off. Let's finish the ask. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples of what you might need to ask the Lord this morning. And as I say something that triggers you or that you already know what it is, just write it out. I'm going to give you a minute or two before we worship. But here's some samples of what might need to happen in you, in your life, in your faith, in order to see what God wants to do. And the first thing is this, God is there an idol in my life that I need to lay down? And if he's bringing a thing or a relationship or a habit to mind that you're like, I know that's hurting me, would you just ask him, help me lay this down? If you're already fasting from that thing, ask him again, help me keep this down. Help me not pick this up. A second prayer would be like it. But God's not just about taking things away. He wants to replace what you lay down with something better. And so would you just ask the Lord, would you help me? My God, help me pick up this book every single day. Show me the right time to pick it up that works for my wiring. Show me the right place to pick it up that works with my inspiration. Help me carve out time to sit with you, to read about you, to respond to you. Ask God, help me read your word. Help me do what it says.
the last prayer goes all the way back to the first question I asked this morning, do you believe? Do you believe that God wants to, is longing to bless you for reading and obeying this book? If you believe it, ask for more faith. Ask for testimony after testimony. If you don't believe it, just ask God. Hey, I'm willing to believe. I don't believe. Help my unbelief. He loves that prayer. I'm going to pray for us. And if you're writing, continue. And when you're ready, bring up your prayers and drop them off. And we're going to respond. Jesus, none of us understand the gift of these words. None of us truly appreciate how powerful these words are but we want to, and so help us. Help us read this book. Help us recognize you in it. I pray for testimonies. I pray for strengthening and and encouragement of every single one of us here. I pray that there'd be so many testimonies, I'd have to give 30 sermons just to cover what you're going to do in this month. Holy Spirit, come and use your words to infiltrate our hearts, and in Jesus' name, reject the enemy. Lord, our hearts belong to you. Help us protect them. It's in your name we pray. Amen.